Hi everyone, welcome to 3CR. My name is Nina and this is my first time hosting on radio. So I'm feeling super excited to be with you today as you go about your day or as you're just chilling back and sitting at home. Today I bring you part four of the Homes Not Prisons radio series. We're broadcasting for the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I would like to pay my respects to Wurundjeri elders past, present and for their ongoing care and custodianship of this unceded land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. So stay tuned for the next half hour as we explore the intersections of poverty, homelessness and trauma and how these experiences often include an interception of time in prison. As a society, we focus on law and order responses to what are social and health issues, which is why the carceral system continues to expand. We must come together to defund police prisons and return the funding to communities as our first priority. Allowing and building capacity for services to support people in the reality of their complex lives, unlike the current climate of punitive and violent responses that continue to harm and abuse our most vulnerable people. Next up, we've got Fuck the Police with a language warning.
So, a little bit about me. I'm a woman who has been criminalised and although that I've survived the violence that has been inflicted on me by the state and managed to keep myself away from the justice system, I continue to feel the effects of having been incarcerated and criminalised. Just this week I had to put in an application for my return residency visa and I'm fearful of what such a process looks like for me, especially after the recent deportation of people with criminal records. Now, as a member of the Steering Group of Homes Not Prisons campaign and a member of the National Network of Incarcerated Women and Girls, I had decided that today I would invite some other women with lived experience to speak to the topics of racial and classist discrimination and disadvantage. I would like to call out, however, that they were not able to be here today as their homeless status makes life extremely difficult and complicated for them to engage. For the others that you will be hearing from today, I want to say thank you for your generous contributions, insights and qualified expertise and knowledge. I guess that's a perfect segue to talk about the mass incarceration of First Nations mob in Australia. In Victoria, there were 806 First Nations people in prison as of the end of October, out of a total prison population of 6,717. That represents 12% of Victoria's prison population. While First Nations people make up just 1% of the total population of the state. Since October 2021, Victoria's prison population has increased by 1.2%, while the number of First Nations people in prison has jumped by 15% in this time. The imprisonment rate of First Nations people almost doubled from 2011 to 2021. Vicky Roach is one of these women. She has spent time in prison for social issues and being racially targeted. Aunt Vicky is a staunch Ewan woman who, along with her mother, was a member of the Stolen Generation. Vicky devotes her time to activism, advocacy around issues concerning First Nations women in prison, violence against women and deaths in custody. Vicky is especially energised by the current conversations around dismantling of the prison industrial complex and the defunding of police, and also sits on the steering group of Homes Not Prisons. I'm thrilled to be sharing her thoughts on the matter now. My name is Vicky Roach. I'm a, I'm a Ewan woman, and um, I'd like to, to pay my respects to and acknowledge the, the country I'm on and uh, the ancestors and traditional knowledge keepers of this land. The, the thing is, the expansion of prisons is, um, is happening not just in Victoria, but all over the country. The, the huge new prison being built up near Grafton. Now, DPFC, in the time that I was there, and I was released in 2008, they've just been given $25 million to um, upgrade the prison and... Um, uh, we assumed that would be extra beds and things then, but it wasn't. The prison, they just built... Um, the, the program was called Better Pathways, and that's pretty much all we got out of it was some new pathways. 
they built a a welfare building where it's once you could just go and knock on the door and um, ask to see the welfare officer if she was there, you know. You could ask for yourself, have you got time or when can I come back? But this new building, they made it double-storey and they put all the welfare workers upstairs behind a locked door and um, you had to go through a screw gatekeeper Mm. to um, be able, she would decide whether your request to see a welfare officer was um, worthy or not, either make you an appointment or not. So um, $25 million, the first thing they built to start with was a million-dollar recreational facility for the screws just outside the... Um, walls of the prison, which was apparently poorly patronised and uh, a big white elephant. Mm-hmm. So I don't think expanding the prison or the money that they're, they're putting up to expand the prison is... Well, of course it will be used to expand the prison, but that's not what's needed. What's needed is the closure of that prison altogether. Mm-hmm. Of all prisons, in fact. Um, the expansion of DPST corresponds with the number of women who are being criminalised and incarcerated for um, crimes of poverty, um, uh, breaches of breaches of orders, not even crimes, but mm-hmm. breaches of administrative orders. Um, it's unnecessary. Um, it will not do what the public thinks or is told it will do, which is keep them safe, because, like, you know, everybody gets out. And most women in prison have relatively short sentences. Mm-hmm. So this this whole campaign has been born out of that, the correlation between the need for housing, public housing, not social housing, not affordable housing, which is still unaffordable at 75% of the market income, uh, of the market um, price. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more public housing. And that, as um, Sarah said, is um, one of the greatest contributors to women being criminalised. A lot of people don't get their parole because they haven't got housing for them. And when they do find housing for people, it's usually in boarding houses that are full of people who have also just been released from prison um, or really crappy caravan parks and... um, Hotels that should really be condemned, <coughs> um, and these these things are not cheap. Um, they give you a couple of weeks free, and then you're on your own. Um, there's housing is the key to 
pretty much everything. Everybody deserves the right to uh, a, a roof over their head. You know, everybody pays taxes. Look, you know, say, oh, but they're, they're on the door. Doesn't matter. We probably pay more tax than people who are employed or, or millionaires, for instance, mm. because we pay GST on every single thing we buy, every single thing that we use, our, our rent, our electricity, everything has GST built into it. So you can't tell us we're not taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that having secure and affordable accommodation, and, and I don't mean what they think is affordable, mm-hmm. I, I mean what really is affordable. Public housing at the moment is affordable. It's 25% of your income. It's fixed. You know what it is, and it works. Um we're just selling it all. We don't have any. Yeah. Um, that's the problem. We're busy as on Nigan Swed and we're busy as building, you know, um huge high rises and investment properties. Um and prisons. But nobody's building homes that people can afford to live in. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's all about money. And while people are desperate, have nowhere to live, and no money because of, you know, the various cuts, well, not cuts to um, welfare benefits, but the failure of, of welfare well, look, why am I calling it welfare? It's social security, you know, that's afforded yeah. to everybody in this country. Exactly. Or is meant to be. It's social security. Um, and that's what we need to return to uh, as a country that believes in social security. And, and that keeps society secure. And yeah. having a home is the one thing that will do that. What do we want? Homes up, prisons! When do we want it? Now! Next, I will introduce Carissa Nalu, a woman I met at a traditional ceremony she and other folks had held at the forest caves of Millal. This was a beautiful way for me to feel welcome and connected to country as a new resident to Phillip Island. Carissa is a Yorta Yorta Dajra Dajra Wurrung singer and songwriter and storyteller based on Bunurong country in the Mornington Peninsula of Victoria. Carissa expresses her song lines through singing in language as well as taking you on a journey to a place where you can feel her deep connection to her ancestral roots. Today I will share with you her song Wanyara, which means water. I've had the honour of sharing the waves in Malal with Carissa. As she gracefully rides the ways, I admire her by bobbing around aimlessly on my board. Yeah. 
Oh my God, didn't that just hit the spot? I'm not sure about you, but that song touches me somewhere not many other things have. So, just want to let you know, you've tuned into 3CR for Episode 4 of the Homes Not Prisons campaign podcast series. Today, we have been exploring people's experiences of poverty, homelessness and trauma, and how these experiences often lead to imprisonment. We will be hearing from Sarah next, a member of the steering group of the campaign, activist for change. She talks about how the lack of housing opportunities for her traumatised her and led her to be incarcerated. Just a quick warning for listeners that the following three minutes of audio contains a graphic description of sexual harm. The experience of homelessness is more than the individual circumstance of just not having a home. It's a lot deeper than that. A lot more trauma comes along with that underlying trauma from childhood through to adulthood. For a lot of us, the pipeline to prison is inevitable. I experienced recurring homelessness from the ages of 14 to 28. Having a family that could provide a safe home wasn't my story. I had to depend on relationships to get a roof over my head, then become homeless again when those relationships fell apart. From a young age, I would run away from the out-of-home care and the foster system. I was warded of the state and there were warrants out for my arrest. The foster system and homelessness send young people to juvie because they are absconding. Absconding, that's the word I learnt because child protection would always say that in court. Youth detention is inevitable for so many young people who are lost and broken. The response for young people who are running away is to lock them up. Even if they are in foster care or resi care, they are still homeless because they're not with their family, with the people that they know. My experience of homelessness and incarceration are connected. I couldn't get bail because I didn't have a residential address. When I was on bail, they wouldn't let me leave the area where I was homeless. And when I asked if there was somewhere else I could go, they said no. They wanted to keep me homeless, knowing that I had nowhere else to go and I was going to end up incarcerated. The only time I got bail was when I had a living rehab to go to that that could become my permanent address. But when I got out of that rehab, I was still homeless and at risk of being reincarcerated. 
For a very long time, I would end up in relationships that weren't safe. Meeting people just to have a roof over my head, finding myself being sexually abused, raped as I'm waking up, adding more trauma and brokenness. That's the same story for so many women. Homelessness doesn't discriminate. Homelessness isn't just about living on the streets. Many women who are homeless are couch surfing. Couch surfing makes it sound safe. Really? People are just staying wherever they can, so they're not sleeping on the street. But they find themselves in more dangerous situations. I don't want people to go through what I went through. I want to see housing that is accessible to all people. Housing that is affordable, so people aren't spent ev spending every single cent that they have on rent. Housing that is secure, so they can't be evicted. Housing that is safe. Housing that they have control over, so that they don't have to leave because of unstable relationships and dangerous situations. I want to see public housing because that means security and stability for people facing homelessness, facing all the trauma and fear that comes along with it. I want to see housing for life. I do not want to see the criminal legal system and all its tentacles responding to people experiencing homelessness. I want to see more community response and no more stigma and stereotypes. I want to see a fair society. I want to see people thriving, not just surviving. I want to see people enjoying life, not experiencing constant trauma, constant segregation, constant stigma, shame and punishment. I'll keep fighting for that until forever. Welcome back to episode four of Homes Not Prisons podcast series. Today we're talking about how prisons cage people because the government has failed to support them. Poverty is an act of violence and a political choice. Next up, we'll hear from Aunt Vicky again as she outlines the correlation between parents who have been incarcerated and their children that are placed in foster care and the ongoing pipeline to juvie and other carceral institutions how it becomes a generational issue. A prison sentence is a sentence for life, and you feel the implications long after your release date. Listen to Vicky as she outlines the harms prisons inflict on women and their children. We know that the children of parents who have been to prison often wind up in prison themselves. So it's... Um, self-defeating, it's creating another generation of, of people to put in prison, if you ask me. The impact on the women and the children personally and emotionally is immense. The women are traumatised, the children especially are traumatised. And, and I, I know in prison... In my own experience, a lot of women who were able to see their children, you know, they were in their family's care or whatever, didn't want them coming into prison and being exposed to that environment and, um, you know, possibility of strip searching and all that sort of thing. And oh, the same thing also with women who had, their children with them in prison. They were reluctant to take them on visits because the child would be strip searched, you know, before and after after the visit. 
yeah, they say they do it sensitively and all that sort of thing, but, you know, what's sensitive about, you know, stripping a child? And they say, oh, it's just like changing their nappy, you know, but, of course, it's not. Prison is, is particularly damaging to women, and as we know, the statistics of women who have experienced uh, family and domestic violence, intimate partner violence, sexual abuse are more likely to be in prison. You know, the figures uh, of women who have experienced those things are, like, extraordinarily high. You were talking about 90% there, Karen. So the impact of, of a woman going to going to prison and, and suffering through these further traumas, it's, to me, it was an extension of the intimate partner violence I'd experienced through my life. Um, And it was an abuse that was delivered by the system, sanctioned by the system and accepted by, by most people. But it was, in fact, exactly the same behaviour that an abusive partner exhibits, um, controlling your money, controlling your body, you know, having absolute control over your body and that of your children to the point of being able to take them away from you. So, um, yes, going going to prison is, is or being in prison is, is a very gendered issue a very gendered, very gendered topic because it invariably does affect women and their children so profoundly. What do we want? Help, not handcuffs. When do we want it? Now. What do we want? Help, not handcuffs. When do we want it? Now. And there you have it. You've been listening to the fourth part of Homes Not Prisons radio series on 3CR Community Radio. I've been your host, Nina. Tune in next week for the part five, the final series of the podcast on Homes Not Prisons. Series five will explore why abolition is not a dirty word. Follow the campaign updates on Twitter at HMP Coalition or search homesnotprisons.org to sign the open letter. And you can also follow us on our socials, Homes Not Prisons, Instagram or Facebook. To take us out, here's Bob Marley and the Whalers. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Get up, stand up, stand up for
Don't give up the fight. Don't give it up. Don't give up. 